Hello, wild one. Welcome to the Shamanic Tantra Podcast. I'm your host, Holly Taraya, and I'm honored to have you on this journey with me. My intention with this show is to create a sacred space for conversations around all the things I wish I were taught growing up. I'm here to remind you that all of you is sacred. Every emotion, every experience, and every energy that runs through your body and heart is holy. Shamanic Tantra is a path I walk and it's a path of liberation. Freedom that's found deep within the body and deep inside the breath. It's a path of reclamation, of integrating every shade of who you are. The wild, the wonderful, the primal, and the pure. All is welcome here. It's a path of truth, of devotion to the pulsing, quivering truth of this very moment. As that's all there ever is. May we love each other, may we honor each other, and may we celebrate each other as we walk each other home. Aho, and on we go. Welcome, everybody. This is Holly Taraya coming at you live with the Shamanic Tantra podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I am so excited for today's episode. We have Kevin Oros joining us. Kevin is one of my favorite mentors that I've worked with, both in masterminds, mentorships, retreats, and he's helped me transform every area of my life, including my career, my lifestyle, my relationships, and my health. He is a legend, and I'm honored and thrilled to introduce him to you today. He's a published author, international relationship mentor, and transformational coach, and founder of the School of Mastery, which is an online platform to learn tools to embody personal mastery. Kevin has a new offering called Primal Polarity, which is an eight-week group coaching program designed to support you in bringing the passion and play back into your body and your relationships. And today, we dive deep into everything related to polarity, spark, attraction, and connection. So whether you're single and looking for a new relationship or you're in a relationship and looking to reignite the flame, today's episode is for you. So enjoy this episode. There she is. <laughs> got him. Uh, so you've got your new program, Primal Polarity, out. I'm curious to hear all about it and what the words primal polarity together in a sentence mean to you. Yeah, this is, this is great. Um, it's amazing to be here first off. Second off, you know, just to translate it simply, think instinctual attraction. Because that's basically what those words mean to me. And I find a lot of people um, can connect with that. And maybe I should have named it instinctual attraction because a lot of people are like, primal, what do you mean? And polarity, what is that? Um, you know, primal is our nature, right? It's our animal, it's our ancestry, it's our, it's our natural DNA, millions and millions of years of evolution that's driven us to be really successful, especially at mating, which is one of the most important things, right? It's where, you know, new humans come from. And polarity is just studying the art of duality on the philosophical and metaphysical level. But specifically, we live in a very, you know, juicy duality of masculine and feminine energy. So, that's essentially what it is. Mm, 
I love that. They're two of my favorite words. So when I see them together, I'm just like, my whole body comes online. That was the idea. Yes. So I'm curious for you, I know you're really into Tantra. I've been studying Tantra for many years. How does polarity relate to Tantra for you? Yeah, Tantra, I would say, is like the high art of polarity in some ways, because my my understanding of Tantra, you know, admittedly a lot from the Osho style lineage, the Hindu side, and also the Taoist mm-hmm. side, which is what I first got into even before I found yoga and Osho. Um, you know, Tantra is the art of union with reality, similar to yoga, but different in that Tantra will use anything. So it's a union with reality through art, through sexuality, which is kind of what most people think when they hear Tantra. But, you know, the first Tantric folks weren't necessarily interested in only sutra, right? Reading Mm -hmm. sutras or using mantra. They weren't necessarily only interested in meditation or yoga or physical or energetic practices. You know, you can do it with dance. You can do it with drumming. You can do it with sexuality. You can do it with art. Um, You can do it with all these things that we would see as base or like kind of profane, not sacred, but Tantra is the art and science of expanding consciousness and awareness using anything. And so the ultimate dojo though, when it comes down to it, especially for Western people is relationships. Yes, yes. I love how you refer to relationships as a dojo. 100%. Yeah. When I think of dojo, I think of practice space, right? So what do you feel it is that we're practicing when we're in a relationship, when we're in the dojo of relating? It's ultimately self-love. That's the mindfuck. So the other person is your mirror to a lesser or greater degree. And you're practicing the art of love, which is love of self. Because most people from birth to to death are going to be in a journey of just accepting and loving themselves, which is maybe the most radical, humbling act a human can do. So mm-hmm. relationship is studying that art. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of factors there because emotion gets involved and sexuality gets involved and our psychology, our expectations, our, you know, all of our ideation around desire, around wanting to be with the other. So a lot of people get into relationship because they don't want to be alone right so they want to have union with other right and of course this brings up a lot of stuff this can be very tricky this can be very triggering this is where a lot of trauma lives and it's also where the bliss and the ecstasis right the higher states of consciousness live as well yes ecstasis i love that word one of my favorites yes So uh, um, I was watching your masterclass you did the other day with Zach and Scott, and you were going over with your program, the four pillars of polarity for both men and women. So I'd love for you to break that down for us today. Right on. I don't know if I've written all those down, so I might, they might change in real time here, but. uh, Let it be alive. Yeah, for the, for the masculine, the main pillars, if you want to be polarized in a relationship, so think like an alive, embodied, high attraction um, relationship, you know, the masculine is going to be really good at protection, provision, leadership, and presence. Mm. So those, those are kind of the pillars for the masculine. Um, protection is physically, it's also energetic. It's literally, you know, the hunter, the warrior, those traditional archetypes and roles of, the, of, of men, of the masculine. Um, provision is you know it can be 
providing food. It can be providing that safety in different ways. You know, there's emotional provision, there's psychological, there can be financial. There's also like sexual provision or um, heart provision, right? So that's mm -hmm. another core thing that a polarized masculine being in a relationship is going to have. Um, presence is huge because the masculine principle is about presence and consciousness, which also leads into leadership, right? Initiating, having structure, um, containment, and setting boundaries, mm -hmm. which is a leadership quality of setting <laughs> a space, right, for a relationship or a family or a village, right? This stuff can apply beyond the, you know, the couple or the, or the mating. For the feminine, it's different. The feminine is equally as powerful as the masculine, but is different in that the feminine is going to be really powerful when she is responsive and alive. So it means she's tuned in in the moment and her body is responding. And also her emotions are responding to what's changing within her and with the environment. So that's what the feminine is going to be really good at. She's also highly intuitive. She becomes an oracle. So she is directly accessing information subtly. This is what makes the feminine really powerful in social knowledge and, and EQ, right? Emotional intelligence, tracking relationships, tracking, you know, this is think about the gatherer, the gatherer, the priestess, the medicine woman. She's able to track the internal circuitry of the village. And there's that nurturing that comes in there as well. And there's the feminine is also amazing at being in relationship specifically. Mm -hmm. Whereas the masculine's relationship is also there in terms of the leadership, the containment, the structure and presence, but the feminine fills the container, right? It's a Shakti. And mm -hmm. the, the feminine principle is an expert at that. And that is man, woman, right? That's mother, child. That's also elder to the younger people in the tribe, forming like a hierarchy and training the next generation and making sure everybody's getting their needs met, everybody's fed, everybody's loved, seen, heard, et cetera. I love that. I love that. It's um, it's so beautiful to hear you explain these because to me, these are such timeless qualities of the masculine and feminine. And so I'm curious, why do you think it is lately in human history that men and women have depolarized? What do you think the cause is for that? Yeah, this is a big one and it's hard to really trace it all the way down. I think it's gotten really intense since the industrial revolution because men you know went off to work they became the working class and they were leaving home for long periods of time um, a lot of people moved away from small you know towns or villages and maybe more agriculture based into factories industrial jobs and mm -hmm. this this put a big pressure on the masculine in the same way the feminine which has been you know suppressed in many ways through religion and you know political civilization structures for a long time um has had to kind of fight for freedom, getting their right to vote, getting equal pay, getting equal rights in the workplace and also reproductive freedom, right? Birth control is very new. It came out in the 60s. Um, the ability to have, you know, dating life and not be married off when you're like 14, as it was hundreds of years ago, has completely changed the game. So what's happened is that the, the men or male bodies who are traditionally maybe more masculine, have gotten to explore their feminine side, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, grow your hair out, you know, go to travel to India, do psychedelics, whatever, all very tantric things that have sent a lot of men more into exploration of their feminine, which is great. 
um, as long as they learn how to balance and then come back to their dominant energy, which for most male bodies will be masculine. There's obviously non-binary and same-sex couples, but the masculine feminine poles are still there. Um, for women or female bodies, a lot of them have gotten to explore their masculine, becoming CEOs, getting jobs of their own, becoming financially independent, reproductively independent. And so they've they've gone into that other side. And you know, this is where the various forms of feminism have risen. It's like, all right, let's equalize everything. And on some level, that's good. However, and mainly in the conscious community or the, you know, the the general bubble of health and wellness, personal development, these folks, what I see a lot, a lot, a lot with especially clients been doing this for seven plus eight years now, you know, a lot of folks are depolarized. So they're, they're reversed or inverted in their polarity. So a lot of the men are maybe a little more flowy, more in their feminine, more kind of feeling a lot, wanting to share and not wanting to lead. And a lot of the women are, you know, running their own business or becoming single mothers. And this is part of why I believe, you know, divorce rates and, you know, sexual violence and just emotional incompatibility has become very common. Yes. Yes. I see a lot of that here in Nosara. <laughs> I bet. Not the, you know, the real flowy surfer men, you know, going with the flow, not wanting to set times to anything. And then you've got the women that are here to hustle, build a business. And you can really see a lot of that, what you call inversion and polarity. So I'm curious, what's the solution? What's the, how do we solve that? I mean, I, I will say some people will work that way, right? The woman's a seven-figure CEO and her husband is a stay-at-home dad and she's mm -hmm. holding more of the masculine energy in the relationship. He's holding more of the feminine and it works. It does exist. I've seen it a handful of times. It's not the norm though. It's, it's usually the exception, not the rule. Um, the solution is very simple and it's for, to return to your instincts. Mm -hmm. So for most men in male bodies, their masculine energy needs to be dominant and online. They need to have support of other men. They need elders and mentors, and they need to have a definite purpose and mission where they're holding that and leading. Um, mm -hmm. For most women, even if they are, you know, six-figure boss, babe, coach, healer, consultant, whatever, their feminine instinct and pull is going to be where they thrive. That's where they feel the best in their body. They're going to be really attuned to pleasure and in the, in the present moment, and they're going to feel really beautiful and, and successful in relationship there. So the solution is really to kind of come back into harmony, dynamic equilibrium, and find out what works for you, especially in the dating and relating realm. It's fine to do that in business, but when it, you know, the boardroom is one thing, the bedroom is another. Totally, totally. <clears throat> I remember you had mentioned like the 80-20 rule, the 80-20 rule of like, you know, aiming to be 80% in your, your dominant pole and then 20% integrated into your opposing pole. So, um, what are some ways if you are running a business as a woman or if you are more in a flow state as a man what are some ways to come back into your pole when you step into a relating space yeah this is where you know your rituals or your discipline and practices are going to be key it's also where the men and women's circle is going to be key so you need to have as a feminine being you need to have other feminine beings supporting you where you can recharge, be nourished, reset, and likewise for the masculine and, you know, the other masculine beings. And they're going to want mentors or elders also in the masculine and feminine hierarchies to help you understand your role and to develop yourself. For a lot of feminine beings, for a lot of women, they will need more rest and relaxation. They will need to be in their yin energy and they'll be 
you know, they'll need to attune more to pleasure and their body when they leave the work environment. So they can become polarized in the relationship and going out on a date or going into a, you know, a sexual experience. Um, for a lot of men, you know, they have the benefit of at work, but probably in their masculine also, but often they'll just come home and they'll kind of go into flow mode, right? And they'll kind of relax and maybe not want to lead as much, you know, where should we go to eat? What time should we meet, et cetera? It's kind of the classic one. And so for men, it's really about having discipline and direction and leadership and actually leading your relationship. And this is where most desire and attraction is going to thrive. And both, both poles, both mates in that container are going to have more success if they just own their dominant pole instead of just kind of leaving it up to, okay, well, who's going to do it? Who's going to lead? Who's going to surrender? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that suggestion of sort of taking a, taking a ritual break at the end of the workday and, and, and coming back into that polarity. And a lot of the things I hear with the women that I work with is they desire so deeply to drop into their feminine. It's, it's what they want on like a cellular level, but there's a fear to do so because maybe they've tried in the past and there's like a, almost like a waiting period of pulling back into surrender and then being met. Um, so I'm curious what you would have to say to women that are sort of afraid to drop into their feminine pull, a fear of not being met in that space. Yeah, this is a big one. And a lot of women, when they were in their feminine in the past, they had to build armor around their heart or around their body because their boundaries were crossed or, you know, they didn't feel that in a good way that actually supported them. So there wasn't consent or there wasn't, you know, um, attunement to their, their heart or their body. So for women, you're going to have to lead yourself in the feminine on some level. So if you can't get into your feminine on your own through your practice, through your self-care, through your pleasure, through your, you know, whatever it is, movement, yoga practice, can be anything. That's going to be hard to do if you haven't practiced it in a relationship. Um, you're also going to have to just be discerning around your masculine partner. You're mm -hmm. going to have to meet men or, you know, meet a mate that can actually hold you and lead you that you can trust. So you can actually be in the feminine energy with them. So a lot of women will attract men that can't lead them because that's, their shadow work is or their edge and they need to work on that and practice it so a lot of those women will end up single for a period to recalibrate and step into a full feminine led existence mm. yes recalibrate it's like those inner energetics changing the inner blueprint because i hear women say it all the time it's like uh they're like i'm waiting for a really strong penetrative presence to come and disarm me Right. But it's like, really, until you step into your own surrender and your feminine essence, that penetrative presence will come along. Totally. And, and you, you have to be receptive to that. So that's mm -hmm. the other piece. It's like that, that masculine leader can't lead or penetrate with presence and his love and open you to desire if you're not being receptive to it. And so that's another thing is a lot of a lot of women have to relearn. And the good news is this is all instinctual. So you don't have to go crazy and make it super complicated. Right. Your DNA and cells know what to do. It's just about relearning and committing to that. That's the primal in it, right? Exactly. And that's a really beautiful reminder. 
I feel for the men that I work with and talk with, a common theme that comes up is they're afraid of the word penetration. They're afraid of perhaps entering a woman's space or disempowering her with provision and protection. And so I'd love for you to speak to that for the men that are sort of afraid to step into that space. Yeah, this is a big one. This came up in an interview earlier today with me um, interviewing a brother who does this work. And, you know, a lot of men are afraid of their shadow or the dark masculine and the because they're afraid of becoming a perpetrator, right? In the era of Me Too and culture wars. And, you know, a lot of people are being exposed because they were abusive or out of integrity. Men don't want to like be seen as that ever. But the paradox is, is that if you really want to take and claim a woman, from a conscious space, you know, you're gonna have to be in touch with that predator, that mm -hmm. fight, that fuck energy, which mm -hmm. can be very scary because it's a strong energy. There's a lot of power there. And again, it's gonna come back to that man's self-practice and ideally his men that surround him to access it, you know, on his own. And this is where, you know, weightlifting or martial arts or meditation or some kind of practice to hone that edge. So you understand it in yourself. You're not afraid of it. You're embracing it. It's your instinctual nature. It's where a lot of your power is living. And you see a lot of men that when they don't access the, this, they become people pleasers, they become collapsed, they become wishy-washy mm -hmm. and they don't attract the, the partners they want. And that's their edge because they're learning to reclaim that and connect it to their heart. Mm. Yeah, it's a reclamation. And again, it's primal, right? It's encoded, it's encoded in the man. And if they're meeting a woman who is open and receptive her temple doors are open, he doesn't have to like, <laughs> crash them down and, and be knocking so many times, there's that, that's what rebuilds that trust of, of being safe, being safe to penetrate. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to couples that have entered that space of neutrality, you know, they're like roommates, they're like besties, you know, all of that, Netflix and chill. What would you recommend to couples as some simple ways for them to, as a couple, not just individually, but as a couple to repolarize their connection? Yeah, this is something that's come up with couples I've worked with, but also, well, usually it's the, the woman who will, you know, sign up for a program or coaching before the man. Right. Um, I think is it, that's changing, but um, they need a polarity pause. They need a break. So they actually need to separate often physically like live apart or at least have a, a routine where they can be apart a lot of the time to repolarize and readjust from that roommate or like depolarized space. So that's an important part is to create a break and a pattern interrupt. So you can re-enter a polarized space and this is gonna involve dating again. This is gonna involve mystery because um, yeah. the erotic energy is a lot about spontaneity and the unknown. And that's what's gonna reinvigorate that that power dynamic of like the man leading and the woman surrendering. And so they might have to rediscover that in, you know, intense ways because it'll bring up a lot, but usually it's going to involve sexuality. It's going to involve dating and it's going to involve starting over and kind of wiping the slate clean of all the patterns and habitual stuff that's kind of gotten in the way just from, you know, life. And this is, you know, of course, even harder if you have a family and children, because you have to make space for it, you have to make time and be very intentional with setting up that container together. Right, right. So does that involve some degree of opening, opening the container of the relationship? I mean, some people go that path. Um, 
I often see that coming with its own set of challenges, right? Which just invites a lot of other volatility in terms of jealousy and fear and scarcity and all that. So I, I usually don't recommend that. Um, that's something that you have to be very advanced and like very, you know, deeply committed in, in the work for probably many years before that actually works. I almost never see that work with a couple that wants to open and use that as a solution to repolarize. It usually actually brings more pain and trauma Right. Uh, in my experience, but I know there's people out there that are specialists in this. Um, it's more about, you know, that same feeling like, well, if we bring in a, a woman into the relationship or if I have, you know, the joke on the internet is like, oh, I, I need to ask my wife's boyfriend if she's free tonight, you know, <laughs> that, that energy is, it's telling you something like, why do you think you need another person? More of the time, if the couple is monogamous, it's that they need to feel wanted. Mm. that's why a lot of people cheat or you know break trust or try to go into the conscious non-monogamy is because they want to feel wanted right. they've lost that feeling right the, the actual desire and to refine it in your actual partner takes effort it takes awareness and this is where i would recommend you know practicing ritual spaces of things like massage eye gazing breath work you know, various tantric practices together that are going to shake up and break up a lot of these patterns. Um, you can also, you know, do this externally by going, you know, on a vacation together, a staycation and create this romantic retreat or container or go to a, a retreat or workshop where you can enter a new sacred space together and refine that desire. Mm, yeah, it's like a new backdrop. You get the googly eyes back again. I love Esther Perel's book, Mating in Captivity. Have you read that book? I haven't read the full book, but I've, I've researched pieces of it. And it's amazing. Yeah, it's so good. One of my favorite quotes from there is desire requires distance. Mm. And that's really what I think of when I think of polarity. There's, there's space between two poles, right? It's almost like the, the closer in proximity the poles are to each other, the less charge there is, right? So we need that distance in order to maintain that polarity. And so how do we maintain that distance in a day-to-day -day relationship? How do we maintain that distance for polarity? Yeah, this is where the structure that the masculine can provide and then the feminine can fill with her aliveness has to be set up really well because it'll naturally create that distance for mm -hmm. polarity. Distance doesn't mean like I avoid or push away the partner. Right, right. Um, it, it means that you are directed and committed to your role and in, in the polarity so for example for the man this will look like having a definite purpose or mission a connection to god right he's mm -hmm. submitting to god or the divine on his mission right so then the woman can submit if you don't like submit surrender and dissolve into his leadership and the relationship because he's connected to that he's not looking at her like you know she's his mom and or vice versa she's not looking to him as a father because she doesn't have her own connection to her body and source and nature right. and certainly both can have high-powered careers and have missions but when it comes to the relationship space you have to let that distance be there where you're fully owning your roles and this is going to look like you know your daily activities what is that what is that vibe right the primal vibe is like hunter and gatherer mm. and that's a really polarized setup that's worked for millions of years in the modern world, you know, this is kind of harder to do. But again, the, the physical polarity pause is usually where I would start a couple because 
they just like they've lost touch with that that they even need that or they even want that they've kind of forgotten so you know you spend a three-day weekend or a long weekend apart this stuff will come right back online because suddenly you just realize what you've been taking for granted and you'll resensitize to what's actually going to work best in the polarity mm. Yeah, I love I love polarity pause. It sounds fun too. It's not like let's take a break. <laughs> you know, it's right. like you're with clear intention to benefit the relationship and it can be fun and exciting. And again, you're tapping into that primal intelligence that will come right back online in your body of like, oh yeah, we remember how to do this. This is what brought us together in the first place, right? Exactly. Especially nowadays, I mean, so many people are cohabitating working from home, right? Sharing the same space. Like there's a lot of shared space nowadays. Totally. And that, that becomes a challenge, especially if you're working from home or you're a digital nomad or expat, you know, like Nosara, Bali, it's a lot of that. You know, this is where your routines are going to be really important, you know, physical fitness, emotional fitness, sexual fitness. Um, a lot of men are going to really thrive when they have challenge in their life that's not in the relationship. So this is like the gym or this is martial arts or this is their, you know, their men's circle. And the woman's going to thrive when she has her version of that, you know, whether it's you know, dance or yoga, or maybe she wants to do martial arts too, but there's that development of the routine that creates the tribal circuit in your relationship. Mm. And the village is needed for that. So you do need other people. Your relationship is not in a vacuum. And this is where you can avoid, you know, some of the shadows of codependency. Right, right. Yeah, and this is why living somewhere like Nosara or Bali is so incredible because <laughs> we've got something going on every minute of the day. Right. Mm. I'm curious what your thoughts are, Kev, with the inner sacred marriage in the Tantra world. When we, when we think about uniting internally our inner masculine and our inner feminine and coming into wholeness and completion, sometimes I feel that practice can actually neutralize us internally. So instead of being in like our 80-20, if we're focused on being in 50% Shiva, 50% Shakti internally, I'd love for you to speak on that. How does the inner sacred marriage affect polarity? Yeah, you know, there's there's this idea, and you can even see this in some of the, the tantric or even the Tibetan Buddhist mandalas and paintings of like the deities, like where Shiva is exactly half female and male, right? And there's this androgynous thing. And this is thought of as kind of a, one of the states of like samadhi or enlightenment, where if you can fully bring the poles together and equalize or neutralize the, the collapse, the polarity, you enter this hyper state of like consciousness. And that's awesome, but most people ain't, ain't there and they're even close. <laughs> right. When you go 50-50, you will neutralize desire and you'll just kind of, you'll fizzle out. So there has to be a dynamic equilibrium, right? Think about, you know, the electron orbiting a proton. It's constantly in motion. It's in quantum superposition. And that's where the energy is coming from. So this is why I like the 80-20 rule, which 80-20 rule applies to a lot of things. It's the Pareto distribution or the Pareto's law of, you know, that ratio is sacred because if you're a man, let's say, in your dominant masculine pole, you want to be there 80% of the time, but you're very aware of the yin at the same time, the feminine, which is that 20%. And you can kind of find your harmony. For some guys, you know, that are much more intense, they might be like more like 90-10. And you just have to find that dance and then your partner has to find it and then you find it together. So the relationship forms a third entity. And mm -hmm. so your degrees of growth of the inner union or the inner marriage 
is going to bring way more life force to the third entity of the relationship. And often one partner, you know, is ahead of the other one. So mm -hmm. there has to be, you know, a development there. And this is where, you know, again, men's work, women's work becomes really essential. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that you referred to the relationship as the third entity. I always imagine it like a third harmonic, you know, like we've each individually got our own tones and notes and then this third vibration gets created from that space. Right. One of the things I think about there is, you know, I think sovereignty is a really um, uh, key word right now at our point in evolution, you know, really everyone's really aiming for sovereignty, sovereignty and love, sovereignty in ourselves and moving away from codependence and just in relationship and, and structure. And so if we're in 80-20 with our feminine and masculine principle, and we're essentially sort of outsourcing the other pole in a way, how do we do that while staying sovereign and not falling into codependency? Right. And this is the tricky part. Like in an ideal relationship that's very polarized, there is a kind of outsourcing. That's a good word where... Like, for example, if the feminine being in the relationship is so surrendered that she can just trust all the masculine polarity to her partner, that creates a lot of attraction and trust and love and energy. And that's really beautiful and powerful and vice versa. The masculine being can trust the feminine. But when it becomes too much and you kind of rely on it, you'll lose touch of your own and can come off center, right? Mm. And this creates those attachments and the expectations that can lead to codependency and depolarization so the sovereignty piece is that you're always self-sourcing right. so what you're bringing into the relationship is from abundance so if you're not receiving that other pull from your partner in a moment or maybe on your own when you're separated you have to cultivate that and so mm -hmm. it, it is an internal balance game that you're always playing and unconsciously it'll play out and this is where people have burnout or emotional fits or breakdowns or tantrums because the energy is trying to balance. It's always just seeking equilibrium. So the goal here with Tantra or with relationship as a dojo is to make it conscious. And that right. means learning language around it. That means understanding it with awareness. And it's going to come back to your practices. Like how do you cultivate it? How do you shift it? And when you, when a, you know, a challenge comes up or a confrontation, how do you navigate that together? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Self-sourcing for sovereignty. That's I it. That. I love that. And I know when, when you had said the word provision, when I heard that in your masterclass as a key aspect of the masculine, <clears throat> it was really interesting. It created a really uh, dynamic response in my body. I was like, ooh, yes. Like I felt this wave of permission come through my body. Like, yes, provision, yes. And then I felt a wave of a little bit of trigger coming through my body. Like, well, if I allow provision, what do I have to provide in exchange for that? So it was like this interesting play of like, on a cellular level, that's like, yes, that's what I want. That's what I desire. And then this independent sovereign woman inside of me is like, well, what does that mean? So I'm curious if that's something you've, you've um, experienced women in your field uh, or clients say before. And if so, what would you, how would you, how would you uh, advise on that with women that want to allow more provision? Yeah, this one always brings up triggers because, you know, the traditional, you, know, you look at our parents and look at their parents and the generations that bore us, you know, they didn't quite figure this out. You know, you have the 1950s man going to work every day, puts on the hat, leaves home. The 1950s housewife is just kind of like 
waiting around or you know, taking care of the kids. And then you have this kind of caricature of what David Data calls the first stage masculine feminine. And a lot of people are still feeling that imprint and are trying to break free from it or rebel from it because of all the oppression and the dysfunction that came from that. Um, the other version is that, you know, there isn't provision from either side and both are just fully sovereign independent. And then it creates this kind of like transactional second stage right. where it's like, oh, like, what do I need to get to give, get love? Or like, mm -hmm. I need to give money to get sex or I need to give attention to get trust. You know, there's all these bartering negotiations that happen. And that's not very fun either because that can get back into those traps of expectation yeah. and codependency. So for the mask, for the masculine being, it's like, A, what do you have to provide? And this is the challenge for the masculine is they have to actually <clears throat> cultivate purpose and cultivate energy. And that can be money. It doesn't always have to be money though. It can be, you know, love and attention presence. It can be structure in terms of structuring reality with your behavior, but also structure and like a home or like physical things. Um, for the feminine, it's like, it's really challenging your ability to receive. Right. Like think about being able to receive what life wants to give you. And the intelligence of biology and, and nature is that the feminine is the expert at receiving and the yin principle. So provision and receiving provision from your partner, ideally, is the most natural and beautiful radiant thing. It's just what barriers are in the way and trust has to be earned right trust has to be built so you can actually inhabit that space mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that provides a lot of clarity with that because i know a lot of uh, women that i talk to also hold that it's like like you said the imprint the imprint needs to be upgraded and updated which again involves yeah. that trust stepping into a new way of relating and trusting that primal instinct yeah yeah yeah, and it feels so good, right? It's like it's like I said, it's like on a cellular level for the for the feminine to receive. It's just it's like being bathed in honey. It's just it's so nourishing, so deeply nourishing. Yeah. So thank you for dropping the word provision <laughs> into the space. Yeah, because I mean, the etymology is interesting there too, because you break down the word. It's provision, which mm. means for vision, and you're also a pro professional at having vision, because if you have strong vision or clarity, you're gonna be able to provide more and create more wow. energy and strategy. So there's also that side of the uh, the provision for the masculine. Yes, I love that. I love, I love your etymology bombs, <laughs> always <laughs> dropping them. <laughs> yeah, and it's like that permission piece, right? Like that's that's one of the things I love about you is you're really a permissionary for new ways of thinking, new ways of being, and, and new paradigms to really come through. And I think this primal polarity is really a permission slip for people to feel okay and trusting to fall back into and choose to be back into their original poles. Like I, I really feel there's a permission piece that's needed at this time for humanity to do that. So I really wanna thank you for providing that permission. Yes. The, the permission slip is all coaching, mentorship, consulting, healing work is on, on one level is, you know, if I can do this, if you can do it, anyone can do it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we just need that little extra, like, Hey, it's okay. Do the thing to actually do the thing. Right. And that's okay. That's how humans learn. It's mimesis, right? This is the idea of mimetics 
um, not memes, memetics, but mimesis with an I of, I need to see it before I can do it. I need to see it to believe it, or I need to understand, you know, it in another, so I can give myself permission. Because you're ultimately the only one that can give you permission is yourself. We just need reminders. Mm -hmm. Totally, totally. And I love too that this is this is such ancient wisdom. Like you said, it's polarity is it's primal. It's it's in our DNA. We're encoded this way, but it's it's so wild that it's rising now. Right. It's like ancient wisdom rising in the modern time. And so I think it's really beautiful that you're standing for new paradigms, new earth, new architects, while also holding the ancient wisdom that our bodies carry. And it's both. Right. And they're so deeply related. It's it's really the sign of the times. I mean, Carl Jung talked about pouring old wine into new wineskins. And mm. this is very important that in this time of rapid change and chaos and breakdown and revealing of these old systems crashing down around us in real time. Um, yes, we have to push forward into the new hyper creativity, hyper innovation, yes. But we have to return to what really works, those divine principles, those natural laws, if we're going to be successful in doing that. Totally. Yes, I love that. And that's what's happening, right? You can see it in every structure in society. It's the ancient medicine is rising alongside and maybe even holding up and propping up the modern technology, the modern advancements. And, and I love the relational is how we relate to each other is what's propping up this new world. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's the ancient future is what it is. Ancient future, yes, yes. Mm. So tell us about your course, Kev. Tell us about Primal Polarity, what it involves, when it starts, where we can find it. Yeah, so Primal Polarity is an eight-week container that is a group coaching experience all around polarity. And it's going to be a dojo mastermind for um, men and women, singles and couples. So it's going to be training, you know, these principles and how to actually embody them with accountability in this pod of the group. Mm -hmm. So if you are looking to get into a relationship, claim your polarity, really cultivate that self-practice and get on the dating market because you've been swiping or you've been unsuccessful, <laughs> um, it's going to be really good for them. Um, also, if you're in a relationship as a couple, this is going to help you repolarize the relationship tactically and strategically, which is very important. So um, I'm joined by two support coaches, dear friends, past clients, one of which, you know, Zach Gallardo, and then also mm -hmm. Scott Little, who are deep in the space and are going to be holding the container with me. And right now we're starting on the Equinox, September 22nd, but we that might actually move up. Um, as people sign up, because I really want to get this thing fired off and, and get this first class out there. And uh, you can find out all about that um, on any of my channels, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, all the things just at Kevin J. Oris or at Kevin Oris. Awesome. And we'll leave the links below for that. And is it uh, is there like a dashboard back end of, of videos and training as well? Or is it all live group coaching? Yeah, so that, that will be built out. They're going to get both my online courses as part of it. There's going to be an exclusive group where we have accountability and, you know, sharing the course material as we go. But the, the bulk of the stuff is going to be live coaching. So we're going to have group calls where we have the curriculum theory perspective and then the practices for the week. And there's going to be laser coaching. and We're all going to be together. And then there's going to be separate calls of accountability pods. Um, 
a few that are going to be just the men and women or the masculine and feminine and others that are more of the groups broken up co-ed so they can actually you know get the feedback get one-on-one support and you know be held in a safe space to really anchor this stuff you know eight weeks is very short but by the end of it, you will have all the tools you need to just carry that forward for years. Mm, yeah. And that ability to reprogram as well. It's not just like, oh, watch the videos when I get to it. It's like, no, you're being held accountable. You're showing up and you're really imprinting that new way of being in relationship. So important. Yeah. Super excited about this offering, Kev. Yeah, it's it's been something, you know, I've been doing on the back end. I've been coaching people in relationship and couples um, for years, but I've never really been forward facing with it. So this feels exciting to kind of just bring this out to the world. And, you know, for folks that just want to learn more and, and, you know, get into the groove, I've recorded four masterclasses now, probably going to be a fifth, um, all around this, just breaking down everything. And those are all accessible if you sign up on my newsletter. And there's also a free Facebook group called the Polarity Dojo, which we have like almost 400 people in less than three weeks. Um, we're asking questions, there's trainings posted in there and just a space to meet other people and learn about this stuff together. Yes. And, and make it fun too. Totally. And, you know, I know a lot of couples when, when it's time to repolarize, they're like, I've, we failed, like, oh no, like, what are we going to do? And it's like, now this gets to be fun. Like you're stepping back into your desire and creating chemistry in this these programs, the dojo, this really reminds them of that, right? Like this gets to be community driven, this gets to be fun and you don't have to do it alone. That's it. You can't do it alone. It has to happen in the village, which is why we have community. We have the cohort doing it together because you're going to learn so much from other people that are on the journey with you. And I mean, yeah, it can feel like hard work because there's so many patterns, but once right. you break out of those habits, you know, the best sex of your life, emotional intimacy, getting all your needs met. I mean, this is what everyone wants. Oh, you know, I've worked with millionaires. I've, I've met billionaires and it doesn't matter where you're at financially or how big your company is. Everybody just wants love at the end of the day. That's it. It's the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Yes. It's really the most important work. And then it spills out into all the other things, right? More success, more abundance, more trust, more fun, more celebration, more ecstasis all the good things in life. The good, good. All the good, good. Mm. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your magic and wisdom today, Kev. Are there any other final truth bombs you wanna drop or anything else you wanna share today? I appreciate the conversation, Holly. This has been amazing. And you know what I would say to folks, which I've been saying on every interview I'm part of in the last two years is, you know, this is it. If you're waiting for a sign or you're waiting to tell that person you love them or start the business or make the art, record the album, write the book, what are you waiting for? The mm. world is going full chaos mode. We're in a great turning of an age right now and it's going to get crazier. So it's a great time to just fucking do the thing because there's not mm. going to be a better time. If you wait there's not going to be a better time. This is the platform right now when things are unstable and uncertain. Mm. Those who create certainty, those who lean in and trust life are going to be the successful ones. Yes. Yes. This is it, baby. <laughs> the time is now. Mm. Kevin, thank you so much always for continuing to show up and do the damn thing and inspire us all to make better love 
make better music, art, all the good things in life. And thank you so much for joining us today on the Shamanic Tantra podcast. It's been such an honor to have you. And I'm so excited for everyone to continue discovering you here. Thank you so much, Holly. It's been an honor. Yes. Thank you for joining me today on the Shamanic Tantra podcast. To dive deeper on your Tantra journey, visit my website at hollytoraya.com for my online courses, books, private mentorships, and group coaching programs. Please subscribe to this podcast and share this episode with your friends. May you live in truth, beauty, and freedom. Love, Holly Toraya.